0: So say I went to an ER shift off two hours of sleep, I would be much more prone to personally catch COVID again than if I went into a shift on eight hours.
1: Welcome to Ultra Habits. Here, we go under the hood with our guests to unpack the minutiae and to understand what processes and systems they engage or research that result in ultra enhanced living. Habits are the absolute key to success. Your lifestyle is essentially the summation of your habits, both positive and negative. The great news is that habits only takes discipline in the beginning. The time varies, but if you can commit to something daily for around two months, you will most likely establish it as a habit. This week we are joined by our friend Jedediah Ballard, or as most call him Jed. Now, Jed is the epitome of the man that has done it all. He was formerly a U.S. Army Ranger. He's a medical physician. He's worked in the ER. He's a mountain climber. He's an athlete. He's been on Men's Health multiple times, contributing articles. He's been on the cover. And he's really like the perfect specimen in many ways. I know he's quite humble, and he would probably uh, think it was quite weird to be looked at or spoke upon in that way, but the guy has really done it all, and he's pushed himself in all categories of life. Now, he's got a unique upbringing. Jed grew up in Montana, in the backwoods. His parents were kind of survivalists in many ways. They they made Jed and his brother fend for themselves. They kind of lived off the land, and they learned a lot growing up that way, right? A lot of self-efficacy, a lot of living off the land, pushing your body and Jed realized early on he was quite academically inclined and decided to pursue medicine. His father was a veteran, and I think partly because of that, Jed really was interested in the path of military. And although his father wasn't necessarily too impressed with him becoming a doctor, he said, well, you you know, he said, well, Jed, you're good with tests. He sure as hell was impressed when Jed came home as a U.S. Army Ranger. This conversation is about optimization, and we are bringing it from someone who lives physical, mental, emotional health, but also has a unique view from the medical community. And we have a really interesting conversation about how we can continue Is the executive community that's continually pushing ourselves, pushing the boundaries, you know, we're pushing ourselves to the edge. All the time. How do we maintain balance and how do we maintain perspective on our health? And what are the little things that we can do day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month that effectively will compound on itself to ultimately impact our health in a positive way? Jed is a lovely guy, super humble. He's super impressive. You're going to really enjoy this conversation. Jed has become a part of my uh, community. You know, I was introduced to him By some friends in the military in the United States. And, you know, he's been a really, really interesting character to get to know. A lot of wisdom, a lot of insights, and just a hell of a nice guy. So, anyways, I'm going to leave you in the capable hands of Jed. I really hope you enjoy this conversation. As always, please rate this podcast. Let us know what you think. Anyways, folks, I'm out of here. Peace. We are live. Jed, welcome to Ultra Habits. It's, uh, it's been uh, obviously a bit difficult to pin you down. Being a doctor, you know, you're kind of you're up and down. Your schedule's moving all the time, and uh, I'm I'm really grateful to have you on the show, though, man. Oh, happy to be here, RJ. Thanks a lot for asking. Appreciate it. Yeah, so I, uh, you know, for the audience that doesn't know, I've obviously I've uh, you know we've connected through the the group that we're we're in with the fellow guys, and uh, I I learned a little bit more about your story and knew that you were ultra habits material and we had to, to get you on the show. So let's, let's take it back. Now, I know that you're from a small town. I think it's called Lima. I think you're in your hometown. You had about 200 people, (laughs) Rocky mountains. Uh, you know, I saw pictures of you when you were little. I, I showed my wife. She was like, "Wow, he was ripped even when he was nine, right?" Like he kind of <laughs> had this real Ozarks feel. And and I have no doubt. You know, your brother I think is in this, you know went into the special forces as well. Like so, I have no doubt your upbringing really shaped you. But I really want to understand from your words what it was like growing up, where you did, and how you did, man.
0: Yeah. So I grew up in rural Montana, and. Uh, Honestly, my childhood was amazing. I mean, it was, you know, small town. uh, Literally, all my dogs have been at least half wolf. Um, Me and my older brother, like like actual wolves. I'm not thinking about that. Um, And, uh, you know, me and my brother would just kind of run around, a lot of freedom, um, always involved in helping dad get wood and stuff. Sometimes that would mean getting firewood literally at 3 in the morning, stealing it off the forestry land. But, again, it prepped us, you know. I went U.S. Army Ranger, he went Marine Special Operations, also U.S. Military. Um, So we had this great childhood, but both of us were aware we didn't want our parents' financial adulthood. So we wound up probably the two most successful people out of our tiny town um, just because, uh, you know, like stealing food and fun is fun as a kid sometimes, but not as an adult. So
1: uh, we fixed it. So what was their philosophy like were they like doomsdayers or like were they off the grid folks like did they was this like an intentional style of living what was the story there I have to know
0: yeah yeah They're just kind of my parents are interesting they're like they're great human beings but they're fairly non-traditional in a number of ways uh and yeah I mean we just my dad was a Vietnam vet um and we didn't get birth certificates I got one when I was about 12 um so Trying to get a passport and stuff, I had to turn in like fourth grade drawings and kindergarten report cards because America didn't believe I existed. <laughs> so, it was like, um, yeah, real deal. Uh, you know, I didn't get any shots until I was twenty and got them on my own. But now I'm a doctor. I mean, it's just it's been a it's been kind of a wild ride, but absolutely love them to death and um, really have no you know quips about parents upbringing any of that. In spite of you know we lived in a barn in first grade. Again, we stole food like. Kind of this very interesting, especially for a U.S. childhood, um, but it wound up working out okay
1: in adulthood. <laughs> so, did your did your did your dad have like shell shock from the war, or like was he was he anti system, or because like it, it seems like he was obviously patriotic enough to go in the military, unless he was conscript, conscripted. But was he like kind of like an anarchist to a degree?
0: Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, just. My mom calls him an authorophile.
1: Uh, one
0: of his greatest quotes is guilt is a useful emotion. Um, he's just like, he's just like, I would love to time travel because he's fucking nuts, but he is a good time. And just to like capitalize on that, I wrestled him when he was 75. Um, at the time I'm 28 and just about to enter the Army Rangers, like the fittest US military branch, and I lost. But <laughs> it's because we're in the living room and I didn't have room to move. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little
1: quicker. He's just still strong. Wow. (laughs) Wow!
0: So, yeah, it's it's an old bear of a man,
1: basically. You guys were raised with a lot of self-reliance, I suppose, right? Like, there was a... Absolutely.
0: Um, We've always, you know, we've always worked uh, since we were little. A lot of that was just helping dad with random carpentry stuff. Uh, In high school, you know, you'd get done with football practice, and then you'd go, you know, potentially help on... Somebody's building project, or do ranch labor, or something like that. Um, our town was so small we would actually cancel track practice when the Martinelles were branding because they're an important family, and all the boys have to go wrestle cattle. So it's just like, um, you know, it's like a time travel for present day U.S. essentially, uh, but it's just small town Montana.
1: Yeah, there. It brings to mind there was a movie I saw with Viggo Mortensen. It's a philosophical movie. Have you seen that movie where he raises his kids?
0: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. In
1: the wild, and like, but but what was interesting was that scene when he took his kids to see his relatives, and the relatives thought because he was raising his kids in the wild, they were uneducated.
0: Right, And do you
1: remember like his daughter like recited like the Declaration of Independence or something? They're reading Guns, Germs and Steel and doing burpees and shit. Like it was a really, that movie made me think and it's kind of formed a lot of the way that I parent. But I, I, you know, I I felt it was, we needed to unpack that because that kind of begins to define who you are. So let's talk about your, you you moved through life you decide to get into medicine. How does that happen, Jed?
0: Yeah, it was kind of wild. Uh, Thankfully, you know, I've always been, again, we grew up kind of country, but education was always important. Um, My mom taught me to read when I was four and all this other stuff. So that was, you know, thankfully school just always came easy. Uh, And I always liked the human body growing up that way. Physical achievement was always very valued in our family. You know, can you grab this big ass piece of wood? You know, things like, I mean, seriously, uh, it was like praised. So, uh, so I liked the human body and I was good at school and coming through college. Uh, I didn't really know you could be a doctor, like true story. I thought that was something like rich kids did. Um, so it really wasn't until my junior year of college, I moved down there with a backpack and a duffel bag, got off the plane, started walking almost about the first two weeks, but it all worked out. And, during that time, I was standing out quite a bit academically and because I was an exercise science with the lion jocks basically, and it just the competition wasn't fierce. Um, so a lot of my professors are starting to ask me what I'm doing and stuff. And some of them had mentioned things like medicine and I kind of laugh, but it did wind up through essentially, I'll try to keep this short, saying goodbye to my Ukrainian girlfriend because I didn't have any money at the time and I knew I wouldn't be able to fly back. So I missed my flight. Hanging around the airport, kind of an oh shit moment. This student in his mid 40s pulls me aside, What are you doing, kid? Uh, essentially, brought me to the VIP lounge and broke down doctor, chiropractor, DO, all this stuff. He was an army doc who practiced on three different islands. Um, and that conversation was enough to spark, Hey, medicine might be possible. A year goes by later, I took the MCAT without studying to see if I was smart enough and interview well and got in. So it all just kind of worked out like it should, in spite of not being. The most intelligent
1: med school path
0: um, to try to replicate, I guess.
1: Wow. Yeah. Okay. Dynamic human. So you've got the physicality, but you got the brains as well.
0: Uh, I mean, thankfully, thankfully, the
1: bubbles. You're all confident, <laughs> and um, you know <laughs> it, it works out. <laughs> Were you intending? We'll unpack the medical journey because I want to go into that. But at that point, were you intending to go in the military as well later on?
0: I was not. No, that actually came, that did not come at all until my second year of medical school. So um, yeah, that wasn't, it just wasn't on the radar really. Um, at the time, I was thinking more something in the fitness world. You know, I was an exercise major. I was really into working out. I like that. So that was kind of what I was thinking, but I hadn't narrowed it down yet.
1: So both you and your brother weren't influenced by your dad to the extent to be like, we're going in the military for sure.
0: No, not at all. There was never any sort of, my parents are really interesting. There's never been really any pressure for anything. Um, You know, we had to help work when he needed help, but like, as far as the rest of it, we kind of did our thing and they were super supportive, but there's never any pressure about anything. Um, So it's kind of, it's interesting, but it just our pressure i guess was sometimes actually being hungry and realizing there's a correlation between like good job and not being hungry i guess
1: it's interesting because your parents focused on strengthening you guys in practicality in in terms of the practical terms and in many ways that then enabled you to kind of use that to find your own path so that's interesting right because a lot of parents could try to conceptually prepare their kids like, oh, you should go do that because you're going to become this. But what are you doing to prepare your kids now? You know what I mean? Like through actual existential training, like in reality. And I think that's probably what your parents did well. So you you're in medical school. All, I read it somewhere that like, you get out, you go to do your residency, like on the first day, some dude comes in with like a knife wound to his neck or something like, what was that like, dude? Like baptism under fire, what, what happened there, Jed? Yeah, that was kind
0: of wild. My first year, so I was an intern, a baby doctor, and uh, it was Christmas, it was like the early morning Christmas Eve, uh, my first year being a doctor and, where we're at, we have these clans of Irish travelers, essentially gypsies, and two clans got in a knife fight over a girl. Um, so we're getting like kind of pinged with traumas. And one of the nurses goes, We need to dock in the bay, and that doesn't happen very often. So I ran out there, opened a truck door, and just the whole cab is filled with blood with a guy's eyes rolling. So I literally grabbed his t-shirt and shoved it in his throat and then choke slammed him onto a gurney um because the bleed, like he couldn't lose any more blood. And it worked. He actually walks out of the hospital three days later, uh, through the course of that resuscitation, I actually had to go to the OR with my hand still inside his throat. Um, so I could take it off, you know, right when the surgeon's picked up his jugular vein, it's a very vein, uh, that can bleed out. but like I said,
1: three days later, I'm like, peace. I'm going to become a, <laughs> a uh, like a pediatrician or a foot doctor. Like I'm out of here. Too. <laughs> that it was great.
0: Uh, there was one nurse I thought was kind of cute. And after the whole event, she cleaned my blood off my scrubs of shaving cream and I was like,
1: fuck yeah, I like being a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> You're showing off I. it's always a good motivation. So so wait, I gotta rewind this though. Irish gypsies, you we were in Atlanta at that point.
0: Yeah, we're in um I'm in Augusta, Georgia. It's where the masters golf tournament is. Um, but just across the river in North Augusta, there's these they call them Irish travelers or gypsies. Um, and they're a little bit, <laughs> you know, I grew up non-traditional, they have their own version of non-traditional. Um, so are yeah. they for
1: real Irish,
0: like from Ireland? Uh, yeah, I mean, I somewhere back the line, you know, most of them were born here now, but they're, Got it. Wow. you know, they don't, there's a fair amount of kind of inbreeding in the clans and whatnot, so they're pretty Irish.
1: Um, they kept, <laughs> they kept pretty Irish. Wow. See, I was from... I, you know, I grew up on the West Coast, right? Like, so all this stuff that was happening in the middle of the country, I thought it was like, nah, you know, like the, the, the like, I didn't think, you know, I didn't think it really existed. There you go. So let's talk about the decision then to to join the Rangers. Like, what took you to that, bro? Like, how did you get there? Yeah, so that was
0: something that, again, kind of one of those things in my life that
1: just worked out like
0: like it needed to, but with the goal to join rangers, basically, as a physician, you cost the army a lot of money. So it's very hard to get misused, because if they break an expensive resource, they broke an expensive resource. So as a physician, it's really hard to get into legit training. Um, and that's where the rangers shine. For example, if I were to try Green Beret, there's operator and support. As a physician, I would have been support. Um, rangers, the answer is you're a fucking ranger, right, period. So. As a physician, go through, I don't have a separate school or tryout or anything. It's the same tryout for other officers, um, same airborne qualifications, same shooting qualifications, same physical qualifications. So it was kind of my only shot to get the proving that I wanted, um, but still get paid and get to work as a doctor. Uh, so and like I said, it just kind of worked out. Um, I wasn't actually their first draft pick. You know, I didn't have any prior military experience or anything. I scored very well on tests and I could crush a PT test. But the two people they tried out before me, uh, one wound up in the ICU with Ravdo, basically, his body broke down and his kidneys shut down from the training. Uh, and then the other one didn't make it either.
1: So I got a shot and then made it. It's kind of what, what happened. What's the training like, Jed? Like I know sometimes I've had a lot of, obviously, uh, as we know, I've had a lot of military elite on this show and what i've come to realize with the military particularly military elite a lot, a lot of the military elite are just athletes for a, a higher desire of risk appetite right like it do you know what i mean like they're just athletes going in there like and now i can see the appeal so like what was was the training super super hard or giving your kind of unique way of growing up like you were really prepared like what's your view on the training yeah
0: um. So I've always been athletically confident, I guess. Um. That said, some of that shit sucked. <laughs> you know, a lot of it. Yeah, a lot of it's mental. Uh, it's not just about being the fastest or strongest. You know, it's kind of enduring the suck. So, for example, during Ranger School, there was a full week of running missions and stuff out in the woods where I got eight hours of sleep in the entire week. Um. You know, and that's just. It's just hard, uh, you know, not getting the food you want. So everyone winds up skinny fat right after ranger school because all your muscles shrunk, but then nobody else is taking your food away. So you'll just crush all... I spent $50 at the first gas station off post uh, when I left ranger school and had all the food eaten, the $50 of the gas station snacks, uh, eaten within an hour by the time I got to Atlanta. I mean, it's just like, it sucks to have other people take your food away. Um, but, you know, that said, it is also something that's manageable and just different people come in with different backgrounds. It's different challenges for other people. Uh, For me, it was something that I did feel was legit hard, (laughs) Um, you know, not something I'd like to re-experience, but I was able to get through it. And thankfully I did come in at a baseline, higher fitness level than most people. And that kind of got me through my lack of military experience. Most people came in with more military experience by quite a bit
1: in the training I was doing um but just my baseline fitness kind of saved me so the what's the what was and you were also older than everyone but you're still young right like so i don't think the age really was an inhibitor i suppose but what do you think the people with military experience their advantage was like they can shoot a gun and shit like that like what was their advantage it's not
0: so much shoot a gun it's just you're used to the suck military suck is very different than athletic suck you know, athletics suck, you optimize your situation. I'm going to put on the right clothes. I'm going to have my temperature right. I'm going to do all these things. Uh, military training suck is the exact opposite, where they make sure you're uncomfortable in some way.
1: Right. So like, if
0: you're absolutely on the verge of freezing, they might let you have a little more food because you're already suffering. or so, I mean, it's just like, they just keep you uncomfortable in some way while you have to complete tasks and lead other people to complete tasks, um, which can be tough sometimes.
1: Mm, and i guess that's what we try to do a little bit more in the ultra endurance adventure racing spartan style well it's it, it's no different right like because i mean really like a lot of times when i'm running out there i'm like this is like what we did with when we were kids we play military play army throw running packs on like we're just big ass kids running around out there in the bush and And yeah, you're right. I think the, the appeal isn't, yes, the appeal is athleticism, you know, and you're kind of performance orientated, but it's also about like taking yourself to the edge of uncomfortability and sitting there for a very long time. And I think that's why there's also a very good correlation with ultra endurance and people in the military, like people in the military, there's a lot of people in the military that are in ultra endurance, obviously David Goggins being the most notable. Um, So you, you get deployed, right? You go overseas. Do you go to Afghanistan?
0: I did, yeah. Um, the last year I was in was kind of kind of a border. I got I was in Afghanistan, got back, went to ranger school, got back, went to the Korean border, uh, got back. At that time, my military commitment was up and then left because I had a pretty good civilian job set up on the outside. It paid about twice as much,
1: and hours were much less. So it was hard to say no to. So can you tell me? Wh- what do you think your Ranger journey added to your like repertoire as a human? Like, What do you think you got out of that? Hey guys, it is RJ here and wanted to quickly take a break to say that I am so stoked that you have continued to support the show. Now, a lot of you moved from audio to YouTube. Some of you that were on YouTube have moved to audio. It does not matter. Your support is helping us cut through all that damn noise. We really appreciate everything you've done to support us thus far and we hope that we continue to bring you game-changing insights and information. Now back to our guest, enjoy the rest of this episode.
0: Uh, multifactorial. Um, number one, you know, I really am aware that just being born in America I've gotten a pretty good shot and that's, you know, I know a lot of people bash in America, whatever, but like realistically, I've traveled a fair amount and I've met people in other countries that were absolutely as smart as me and absolutely will never have a shot to go to med school. I could grow up poor and talented in America and go to medical school. Uh, Most of the other countries I've been to, you can be poor and talented and that's the reality of it because no one is going to give you a couple hundred thousand dollars to see if you're, See if you're gonna make it. You know what I mean? That's just how it is. Um, so I'm very aware of the fact that, you know, I'm grateful, problems and whatever, it's not perfect, but I'm grateful to be a US citizen and having that chance to contribute in some way. Um, Ranger Doctor was a niche that I really felt met my skill set in a sense, because most doctors won't put up with the suck of being a ranger or aren't able, to, honestly. Um so it was kind of this cool little thing and I was able to really take care of my guys. I wrote six letters to help six of my prior medics got into medical school. Um, you know, I did, I went to osteopathic school. So learning that hands-on musculoskeletal stuff, you know, we jump out of planes on concrete. Um, I fixed a lot of dudes backs that, you know, they were dealing with chronic pain every day, but on something like that an MRI is negative. So everyone's just like, Oh, whatever shitbag." Um, but it's a real thing. You know, you check them their way out of alignment you fix it and they feel good. Um, so that part was cool. And then personally, the other thing, growing up in this very physically praised blue collar kind of tough background, um, I was transitioning to the white collar world for sure. And there was a little bit in my mind that I just needed to kind of prove to myself I wasn't a bitch. <laughs> and I know it sounds like-
1: <laughs> Sounds like Jeff Harris.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, hey dad, I got into med school. He's like, oh yeah, you're always going to get a test. Hey dad, I'm a ranger. And that's like, oh shit, no, no, You know, he like, he recognizes that as an accomplishment.
1: Wow. And so much to be said in that, like in terms of parenting strategy, right? Like in, in terms of what you reinforce and the positive reinforcement you give, like, yeah, I do that with my son. Like I over-exaggerate my reaction for things that I know will propel him to seek more praise. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm trying to play with his head a little bit, right? Like, you know what I'm saying? Because... Because I think it's important, you know, like there's that subconscious need to, you know, always kind of live up to particularly your dad's expectations, right? So one of the things that I really resonate with you with is your your, you know, you've got this deep appreciation of the physicality, but you have a real respect for education. Does your brother have that as well? Or like, where did you get that? Or is that just you? Like, was that just something you picked up?
0: Yeah. Thankfully, my mom and dad balance each other exceptionally well. Both are just naturally very smart people. Um, my mom was an elementary school educator, kind of teacher's aide and stuff. So she was great on the balancing out my crazy dad, like absolute opposite personalities. But the two of them melded together to make very functional kids. Like all of us are pretty high functioning. <laughs> um, so, but then my older brother also, you know, he wound up again, kind of like trigger puller, marine special operations, but He wound up pretty legit, um, contracting later on for the U S government. Once he was out, he got two master's degrees out of bunkers in Afghanistan online. You know, he was over there for eight years, uh, you know, and now is a very much executive level million plus dollar house in DC, all that, um, he went from trigger puller to suit working his way up the ranks. So, I mean, he's like, he's legit. Um, so yeah, it was just like, he was definitely a motivation to kind of see in both sides and whatnot. But, yeah, really just thankfully it was something that came easy to me. And you get a lot of positive reinforcement through, you know, doing well and your teachers. And I like school. There's, you know, cool people to hang with, interesting things, pretty girls. You can use it to travel and get money that way. and So it just kind of
1: worked out. It's great. And you're still very young. I mean, it's interesting to see where you're going to go. Like, do you miss the like I know you're in medicine, but do you miss the the military element? at all or like how do you get that fixed bro like what, what's going on there because I know you can't just be doing regular shit like I you were, I know how you're cut dude I know what cloth you're cut from like like what are you doing to get that itch scratch man
0: yeah thankfully uh, I'm not as tough as you and I don't have to put myself through a hundred mile race so uh, so I'm glad I've got that but no it's been you know life kind of has different chapters and my military chapter was great but it was for me, it was a chapter. Personality wise, it was just a chapter. Uh, I do miss some of the guys, you know, being the Ranger Matt surgeon, it's like having a thousand little brothers and they're hilarious. I mean, some of the shit is just, <laughs> it's none of it's clean, but it's funny. And um, so you do miss kind of the, some of the guys. But as far as the experience and whatnot, like as an ER doc, I still get, I'm in a level one trauma center. I mean, a bad day at work, you could have four people die before noon. I mean, so it's, you know, there's still kind of the flash things matter at work. Um, and then also doing some of the military things not associated with the military is always just a little more fun. Like, you know, going civilian skydiving, super fun. Uh, you know, jumping out of the plane in the middle of the night with the military and landing on concrete, exciting, but less fun. So, um, there's ways to kind of fill those voids essentially. And, um, yeah, it's going well. I I like wearing a beard.
1: Yeah, no, no, fair enough. And in terms of the physicality, like, do you work out to work out, or are you like, are you event orientated with shit? Like, do you do like, do you comp- like to try to compete every now and then in different things, or do different challenges? Or are you right now just is it exercise for exercise?
0: Yeah. So thankfully, fitness is just really ingrained in who I am. So that is absolutely a part of my physical and mental health. You know, if I can't work out for three or four days, not all compulsions are really bad ones. So it doesn't have to be super long or anything, but I do need to be active in some way very frequently or I just don't feel like myself. So, um, yeah, it's something that's fully ingrained there. Occasionally, I might train up for a specific event. um, But for the most part, I just really like being fit enough to do absolutely whatever I want. You know, a buddy has a pickup soccer game. I can jump in. Another buddy wants to climb a mountain. I can do it. Uh, my boss asked me to join him in a marathon once. So I popped in that without training, which sucked and hit like bad. <laughs> but <laughs> I did stay with him the entire way and out sprinted in the last 200 meters. So. <laughs> Do you I, run well? Um, Yeah, we're naturally good at it. Childhood again, we when me and my brother were fighting, we used to get kicked out of the car at like four and six and mom would drive behind us, <laughs> which is actually brilliant because it's a shared enemy. So you had a shared enemy and we got, great. Right. I mean, countries do that shit. I mean,
1: that's geez. actually very good insight. <laughs> yeah. yeah, That's very good. They're like, fuck mom, man. So yeah, I mean, yeah, like I think you, you and I talked about it offline. I think it's really important to talk about, like, particularly because you do shift work. Like when you're exercise orientated and when you're that type of person that needs to exercise like it's weird. If I don't exercise for a day or two, my skin starts to feel weird. Like I have to sweat. It's weird. Like I get this weird release through sweating. Um, but also, you know, there's times where I'm super tired. And when I was younger, particularly, like I'd still push myself to get that workout where I should just probably sleep. Like, and you and I had that really interesting conversation. Like sometimes you'll be super tired from a shift and you'll just walk. Like, h- how do you know? And how disciplined are you with like knowing, okay, well, look, I, I, I need to move my body, but probably a full-out workout, mate. Like, do you take into consideration your sleep and all that? Like, how do you manage that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And some people use, you know, there's advanced fitness trackers and whatnot. Um, with me, I grew up in Montana. I kind of hate robots. So with me, it's all just feel. And so exercise is a stress. Work is a stress. There's good stress and there's bad stress, but it's still stress. The stress is cumulative. So you have to be in tune with your body and understand like, okay, this night I had buddies in town. I went out drinking hard three nights. You know, I'm getting six hours of sleep a night instead of eight hours of sleep a night. Being active will help me. But if I go try to crush, you know, an hour and a half, like set record, that's going to break me down more. So those are the times where a brisk, even 20 minute walk, I feel better, you know, and I can tell I'm doing it right because exercise makes me feel better those occasional super crush it workouts where you come back and you're just destroyed you know that's taking a toll and you have to factor that into what else is going on in your life and um, i mean you're successful a dad and workout all the time you know i don't even have that strain of being a dad which which again is a good stress probably but it's still like you gotta factor in if you're giving a bunch of time to your kid that is still a stress on your time your energy your system so it's about feeling your body and seeing what you need Kind
1: of that day. Very true, Jed. So you know, there's situations where, like, I've had a run plan. My daughter's up two or three times in the night, and I know I've had four or five hours broken sleep. The younger me would be like, "Fuck it, don't be soft, go cry." You know, like it it just. But then the the kind of me now, I'm like, well, I'm aware of that. And to to just unpack this a little bit, like, you know, being a person that's Super type A. And, you know, I fell into ultra running more for like a embrace the suck movement, not as an athlete. And, you know, like it took me two and a half years. Like I, you know, I'd go on training runs and, and, and I would feel hungover. Like I, like my PA, like I feel internally like my PH was off. Like I couldn't put language to it and the hangover, the grumpiness. And then I realized like every run I was anaerobic every run like I didn't understand you've got to you've got to go slow you know you've got to run slow you've got to stay aerobic I didn't understand why am I so hungover after every training run and then the accumulation of that stress the lack of sleep because of the kids I'm starting to not enjoy it because I'm like my performance is going backwards and then I realized that I'm actually training too hard and you have to be especially when you're training for ultras it's a strategy. You got to be strategic, and you have to be tactical. Like you can't just be flat out every time you're running, because every run to me was like a race. Do you know what I mean? So it's that whole know your body stuff, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Absolutely. If you're um, like you're talking about the the people that wind up really
0: excelling in any of those events, a power lifter, or an ultra runner, anyone, they run a race performance on a race day. <laughs> but you know, there's very few completely full max out all out things in the training sessions and if they are they're separated from their actual event like quite a bit um because like it's just a stress on your body like going all out takes the toll and it makes sense that it should that's kind of like i'm making my mark as a human i'm all fucking in you know it should take a toll but you just can't do it day in day out if you want to perform well
1: yeah yeah and and so I want to shift the conversation to some contemporary stuff for like, we're now living in this kind of era of COVID. And I guess, you know, some people are hyper paranoid They're maybe trying to control the uncontrollables versus focusing on themselves. Like, what's your view on what an individual should be doing to optimize themselves, given the current situation with COVID? Should they be hiding? Should they be vaccinating 20 times? Like, What's your view from, a, from an MD's perspective on what we can do to stay right?
0: Yeah. Um, so with me, I am a hundred percent for the vaccine. And the reason I'm for it, again, I grew up anti-vaccine. You know, just kind of factor that in. So I do understand that perspective and the mistrust and everything. But I also, you know, worked through the entire pandemic in the emergency department. And our hospital would put out literal stats of our just thing. I know there's national worldwide stats, but those are a little harder to trust. Like my actual hospital, just count the numbers. This is the number of COVID patients we have admitted. These ones were vaccinated, these ones were not. This is the number of COVID patients that have breathing tube down their throat. These ones are vaccinated, these ones were not. And the unvaccinated ones that were sick enough to require the hospital to breathing tube was always under 5%. We were always over 95%, the people that were fucked up enough be on the verge of death, We're all unvaccinated. And, you know, it varied a little bit. Delta was the one where we really saw that. Uh, Omicron wound up more contagious, but a lot less serious. So we just had less people in the hospital. But still, the ones that wound up needing breathing tubes and whatnot were either A, immunocompromised, you know, cancer or something else going on, or B, didn't get vaccinated. And we just saw this over and over and over. So um, get your vaccine. But honestly, I would say get vaccinated and otherwise live your life. Um, that's that's my honest advice. Uh, if you are immunocompromised, it sucks, but just like flu season and everything else also sucks for you. It's just um, it's it's tough being in the world immunocompromised, so you need to be a little more careful. But if you have a normal functional immune system, get your vaccine, live your life because it's once we get to a generalized kind of herd immunity through vaccines or contracting it, you know it'll wind up another kind of respiratory illness that probably will be with us for a while but it should get out of that pandemic
1: stage. Yeah, you know, and I guess it's just focusing on the basics, right? Good food, sleep, health. like.
0: Yeah, sorry, I should have definitely touched on that. Oh, I just have a good immune system. But <laughs> getting there, absolutely study support. Sleep, incredibly important in both short-term and long-term immunity. So say I went to an ER shift off two hours of sleep, I would be much more prone to personally catch COVID again than if I went into a shift on eight hours. Just because when your body's broke down, sometimes you actually feel almost like you have a little flu just when you don't sleep. It's because your immune system sucks, um, so huge. Uh, moderate exercise will boost your immune function in the short-term. Intense exercise, like those big workouts where you felt wrecked after, actually decrease your immune function for hours while you're recovering. There's still value in them. You know, I'm, I'm a, an ex-ranger, like, you know, I like going hard, but you just have to be aware of that. Uh, and then, obviously, just you know what's good food and not. I mean, fruits, veggies, like the normal good food is going to help your immune uh, function. You need all those building blocks from the basically, so your body can make all the cells it needs and whatnot. And so that would be good fats, again, fruits, veggies, good sources of meat, eating in moderation and kind of in portion sizes that are consistent with your goals. Um, you know, we all know like hydrogenated fats, sugars, all those things, those things are death to your immune function. Um, You know, you wind up diabetic, your cells do not work well to
1: protect you. Mm, in many ways, COVID is kind of forcing people to optimize.
0: Yeah. Like, um, you look at it, it that is, way, right? Right. And it's showing, I mean, it's taking out some of the ones that didn't, to be honest. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm going to start to to, to bring the plane to the ground here but one of the things I do one of the one of the things I, I want to focus on before I do that is I when I was uh, I think I read an article about you in men's health maybe 2016 it 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 mentioned you were you know you you had you were involved in some community work and uh there's a situation in Peru uh with uh, this young dude Zach in the <laughs> the pig farm and I just thought it was really interesting. Like, can you talk a little bit about your, your, your humanities work and some of the stuff you've done in that space and whether or not it's something that you intend to do in the future?
0: Yeah. Um, so, kind of humanitarian work, giving back in a sense. I've done humanitarian work on four different continents, um, something I'm still very actively involved in. I got the Gold Humanitarian and Medicine Award. Um, it's something that, um, one, I, I do gain a lot of personal satisfaction out of. And, you know, some people can think too hard and think, well, then it's selfish and dah, dah, dah. Like, fuck it, you still are doing good. The people that you are helping are benefiting and that's fine, whatever feels good or not. Um, There is, with me, there's a faith component to it, like um, of those who have been given much, much to be asked. But I'm kind of strong faith, weak religion, saved by grace, not too pure. You know, I'm not real like clean (laughs) for lack of better terms. But, um, But even without that side of it, They've done big long-term mental health studies and people that donate, give back, et cetera, it's absolutely a positive factor for just good mental health. Like humans are designed relational and we're meant to help each other. And those of us that have been lucky enough to be well-resourced and just kind of make it in a sense, um, I do think we kind of have a responsibility to get involved in causes that we feel are of value. That's gonna be a little different for everybody. And some of the... Travel and just fun experiences, and whatnot, that I've done through humanitarian work are absolutely invaluable. One of the best weeks of my life was being on a med student rotation in South Africa, and the person in charge was gone, so I left and I linked up with this missionary, taught second grade for a couple of days, brought all these kids camping in Kruger National Park, and it was just like basically being a African dad for a week. Like I said, one of the coolest experiences of my life. Um, Mister, we go by legs. I mean, like instead of drive, <laughs> it was. Just it oh, was cool, you know. It was cool. So, yeah, I would strongly recommend, uh, kind of, to any of your listeners getting involved in some way in something that means something to you. And the other thing with giving is people sometimes have a tendency to think, okay, well, when I hit this income, I'll give, et cetera, blah blah blah. I would recommend against that. I would say, tie ten percent of wherever you're at. If you make hundred dollars, you tie ten bucks. You make a thousand, you tie hundred, and just get in that habit. Because it turns out statistically, if you give when you're poor, you'll give when you're rich, and vice versa.
1: That's really good advice. Like everyone can add value to their environment, irrespective of financial kind of, we don't have to be Bill Gates and Melinda Gates and have this billion dollar fund, right? Well, mate, thank you so much. I mean, you're such a dynamic dude, right? Like in many ways, it's going to be interesting to watch you over the next few years to see what comes about jed because i think there's you're and you're probably already doing that there's going to be a tie together and i can see it happening like there's definitely brand jed in the making and we don't know yet how that's going to unfold but i'm going to sit here and patiently watch that happen maybe, maybe a tv show you know a doctor like dr phil we got dr jed you know dr oz you know you know the new and improved version but yeah man look really thank you for, for coming on the show sharing your wisdom your truth your testimony it's been fantastic and for our audience that want to connect with you where can they find you Jed like on social media whatnot yeah
0: the most active and actually the really the only thing I'm active on is my Instagram it's just at Dr. Jed a little underscore after it um, so yeah link up with me on there and uh, RJ seriously you're a great interviewer man it makes a huge no I'm serious it's like it's a gift uh, like Joe Rogan and RJ you know it's
1: just yeah. Oh um, wow! Yeah. I'm blushing. You just can't tell. <laughs> and seriously, you're brush into in your own life.
0: Uh, it's 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 inspiring to see what you're able to do. Again, I'm very aware that even though I am high achieving, people like you and our buddy Thor are high achieving while also raising a family. And I do give you all props for that because I know I know it's a time hit. <laughs> I do <laughs> so respect.
1: No, look you, you, what happens is you just you kind of scale to the pain, right? Like you you'll you'll you know that, right? Like you figure it out and I think the the greatest lesson and the greatest adjustment for a person that is very orientated to their their goals when they have children is the realization that you don't own your time. And that's the biggest adjustment required that you really and it's different than a relationship with a woman or a partner or whatever. It's it's a real sense of oh shit I've got to really optimize here because I don't own majority of my time. Do you know what I mean? So you have to become much more purposeful and intentional about how you spend every minute, you know? So there you go. That's what you have to look forward to, bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you will be a great dad, great lessons. And hopefully it'll be interesting to know if you're making your kids run after the car as well, and you're going to make them chop wood and, basically you know because because i think when you're a you know just to touch on this i think the interesting with you interesting with you is when you become a parent you'll naturally reflect on your childhood and start to wonder well how much of that has helped me become who i am and a person like you will naturally think like am i am i you know am i raising my kids a little bit too soft because obviously they'll have the benefit of having what you have now right and it's like well how do you how do you create some of that basic living shit and you know tough shit for kids when you're actually created a life of somewhat comfort
0: yeah yeah no, I, I
1: agree it's hard i agree so you know like you know you don't want your parents your kids to think you're rich you know but they see shit right <laughs> like, right you know what i mean so anyways bro that's enough parenting advice to young Jen. I'll i'll leave it there man thank you so much for coming on bro Hey, absolutely, the President, RJ. (laughs) Take care.